This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including eBooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. everybody and welcome back to new books and spiritual practice and mindfulness a podcast channel on the new books network i'm christy adloff host of the channel today i'm talking to shonda morales about her new book breath and power achieve five minute mindfulness for women who do it all welcome to the show shonda hi christy thanks for having me and i just wanted to say it's breathe and power achieve <laughs> oh i'm sorry i, took, oh, I no did write breathe and power achieve. <laughs> i apologize <laughs> no um, problem I wonder if you would just begin by telling us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I am a psychotherapist in private practice, and I specialize in stress and anxiety-related disorders. I've taught mindfulness-based stress reduction for a number of years and incorporate mindfulness into my work in psychotherapy. I'm also an author and a speaker and am launching a uh, monthly online membership for women called the Beehive, and that will start May 1st. That's great. So I was wondering if you could just start by telling us a little bit how you kind of entered into the world of mindfulness or meditation. Sure. So about uh, 25 years ago or so, I started practicing yoga seriously, six days a week, Ashtanga yoga. And that was kind of my introduction into any sort of uh, meditation. Yoga we know is a form of moving meditation. At the end of yoga is Shavasana, corpse pose, where you get to lay down (laughs) and the yoga teacher takes you through a meditation. So that was uh, my introduction. And then a few years later, I was reading for work for therapy and came across mindfulness-based stress reduction and with cognitive therapy, that combination. And it really intrigued me and I wanted to learn more because I felt like this sounded like kind of a heart piece of therapy that we were missing with cognitive behavioral therapy. So I read more and ended up uh, enrolling in my my local hospital's eight-week mindfulness-based stress reduction program, which is an international program that's been around, I think, for about 40 years now. And I was hooked. The Right away, the homework was to meditate for a half an hour every day. And I always say I am a people pleaser, recovering perfectionist. So I did what <laughs> I was told and I faithfully did my homework. Um, and I noticed within just a couple of weeks that these changes were happening in my personal life through this meditation, through the daily meditation. My daughter at the time I was three and I was more patient with her. I slowed down just a notch, which is also not (laughs) part of who I am naturally, but I was actually finding that I was more productive and more efficient, and I was just happier. 
so I continued to meditate and went through teacher training and ended up teaching in that program for about five years. And like I said, incorporated mindfulness into my therapy practice. And um, then when my daughter was about to turn 10, I was pregnant with my son and knew that I wouldn't be meditating for a half an hour every day with a newborn. And so I wanted to come up with um, some ways to keep mindfulness in my life in very short, flexible, practical ways with a, a baby and all my other responsibilities. And so I came up with this, this idea of five-minute mindfulness and what, we'll, what we call mindful breaks and uh, wrote a book about that and taught that and, and continue to teach that to my uh, patients and clients that I work with. That's wonderful. Yes, it is definitely challenging with um, small children to have the same type of meditation practice. But I'm impressed that you were able to maintain the 30 minutes until you had a newborn, actually. Um, yeah, I think child. because my yeah my daughter was a good sleeper. It was one of those things like I knew when I, I you know if I got up early enough, I could be guaranteed that peaceful morning time. But that went out the window because of course <laughs> my second one <laughs> likes to wake with the sun. So yeah. You're not allowed to have two good sleepers. I think that's against the rules. That's right. Um, <laughs> so I was wondering if you could just like give us a definition of what mindfulness or meditation means to you, because I know there's different philosophies out there and people have different ideas of what it can mean. Yeah, to me, it's simply paying attention to what's happening in the moment with an attitude of kindness and curiosity. It's a great and definition. Kind of, I mean, quick, yeah, to go further, it's the opposite of running on automatic pilot. So we've all we've all run on automatic pilot, that feeling of getting in our car and driving somewhere or, you know, pre pre quarantine um, and getting somewhere and realizing we don't remember making a turn or passing a landmark because we're running on autopilot. Where it, when, when we are in autopilot, we are either in our minds in the future, we're worrying, we're what ifing, we're running through our to do list, or we're in the past rehashing a, a recent conversation or a long ago memory. And so mindfulness is the opposite of that. It's coming back to the present moment and being aware of what's around us. Thank you. Yeah. And I know um, in terms of like meditation, there has been a lot of research just looking at the fight or flight response with the amygdala, which is um, something in our brain for those that don't know and how mm -hmm. it kind of affects um, our emotional reactions and, um, just that fight or flight response. And I was wondering if you could um, give us a little information and how that might compare using like the mindful moments of your, with your book, breathe and power achieve versus like um, sitting for 30 minutes, like you used to, or if you notice a difference or. So speaking to uh, the fight or flight response with mindful breaks right. versus meditation, is that what you mean? Yeah. Okay, right. So, so there's a lot of research out there about meditation and um, that how it can change those functions of our brain. And like you were saying, the amygdala—that's the emotional reactivity part. That's that's in charge of fight or flight. When we perceive that there's danger, um, that's what kicks in. And <clears throat> when that happens, that front part of our brain called the prefrontal cortex which is in charge of planning and organizing and being able to step back and sort of see the big picture, that slows down or shuts down during fight or flight. So yes, the research shows when we meditate, we um, well, actually over time with, with meditation, um, long-term meditators, the brains of long-term meditators, the amygdala actually gets smaller because it's not 
um, used as much and the uh, prefrontal cortex, the gray matter in our brain actually uh, increases. So it's really, it is, it's fascinating that we can, it literally is exercise for our brains. Um, And what mindful breaks are, they're, they're just opportunities and reminders in the midst of our day where we can pause and bring our attention back to the present moment. So we don't need to go sit down for 10, 20, 30 minutes and meditate. We can pause and notice our breath, take a few deep breaths. When we do this, that actually sends a signal to our brain that there's no danger. Fight or flight can calm down, slow down, and that amygdala calms down again and the prefrontal cortex is in charge. So if we're, you know, for example, home now with our Mm -hmm. families, maybe we have children, maybe we don't, but interacting and we're feeling if, if we're actually, if we're lucky enough to still be able to do work from home you know, maybe there's pressure there or whatever. If we're feeling stressed out and pressured, then fight or flight can kick in. So it doesn't need to be a big trauma or a big, serious, dangerous situation. I talk about how, you know, just feeling the pressures of, of time crunch of like a deadline, a writing deadline, and then emails coming in. And then maybe my eight-year-old wants me to play with him and feeling pulled in all those directions. That's enough to kick us into fight or flight. And even though there's no real danger happening in my life in that moment, my brain, my mind doesn't distinguish between a real danger, let's say like a car coming towards me on the road, uh, and a perceived danger, just that feeling of being overwhelmed and the pressure of it all. So that's why it's so important to use these, what I call mindful breaks, to pause, uh, step off of that, what I say, we, we get on that hamster wheel to step off that hamster wheel reconnect with our body and our breath for just a moment. And then that helps us calm down fight or flight. So it actually um, can also help us sustain our energy longer. Because when you think about when we're feeling kind of tight in our bodies, and we're stressed, we get exhausted. And I think a lot of people are feeling that right now. It's, it's kind of just this mental, physical, emotional exhaustion from, from what's happening just in our minds. Um, the state of the world right now. Yeah, it takes a toll. So I mean, that might be an interesting opportunity, because I know you, you kind of break up the book into different um, sections a little bit. And like, if, if you could offer if someone's just feeling stressed, whether because of the state of the world today, um, or if it's because they have a deadline, and their child wants to play with them, or, you know, if you could kind of walk us through um, one of the mindful moments and how it might work. Sure. Right. So you talked about, so the book is broken into their breathe mindful breaks, empower mindful breaks and achieve mindful breaks. And the breathe uh, mindful breaks are all about calming us down and increasing our awareness because that really is the first step. We can be the empower. Well, let me just back up. The empower breaks are about boosting our confidence and assertiveness and the achieve breaks are about setting goals and breaking those down into tiny micro action steps, identifying our values and our dreams. So they all kind of work together. Uh, but if we can, if we're not calm enough to again, if we're in that fight or flight and we're not calm enough, or that front part of our brain cannot work very well. It's not we're not as creative. We're not as um, able to think clearly. And so that has to be sort of the first step. And especially right now, I think a lot of us are in need of that. So um, so we can take a mindful break, like I said, anytime, anywhere. A lot of people like the coffee mindful break. 
which mm-hmm. is about being really aware of having our cup of coffee or our cup of tea. And so what we tend to do is we're on our computers or watching the news, we're doing something else. We kind of slug that thing back and we don't even know that we've had it at all. So instead, you can take 20 seconds or a full minute or two or five minutes and feel the warmth of the mug in your hand and really smell the aroma of the coffee. And then you bring it to your lips. You might sense that moisture against your nose. You take that first sip really taste it and notice the warmth moving down your throat into your stomach and notice maybe how it changes how you feel. Does your heart speed up a little bit? Do you feel warm in your body, your face flush a little bit? Whatever that is, that's a very different way of drinking our cup of coffee. And that's an example of a mindful break. It can just bring us back to to that moment. It actually feels like it slows the pace of our day a little bit more too. And I think that's what you talk about, the idea of taking those mindful breaks and slowing down over and over and over again kind of allows right. people to achieve that. So as soon as you said, like you take that deep breath, your body is immediately like, I don't need to be in a rush right now. I don't need to be in fight or flight. I can calm myself down. Um, I'm safe. Right, right. It brings us, It brings us out of our head back into our body. We recognize our breath and we train ourselves to do this. So it's, you know, when we start to another mindful break, uh, a breathe mindful break is the triangle of awareness. And this is a really Mm -hmm. helpful way to think about mindfulness as well. Uh, If you think about a triangle and the three points of the triangle correspond to our thoughts, our body sensations, and our emotions. And they're very much intertwined. They affect one another rapidly. And often we don't even recognize it's happening. Uh, So at any point in our day, we can pause and say, what's happening right now in my triangle? What are, what are my thoughts? What are my body sensations? What are my emotions? It's a very grounding way to kind of check in with ourselves. And when we can observe and name those things, we automatically are being more mindful. We have more awareness. So I might say, whoa, my shoulders are up by my ears. (laughs) I can drop my shoulders. I recognize I'm not even breathing fully, which is what we do when we're stressed out too. We breathe shallowly in our chest which Mm -hmm. continues the fight or flight pattern happening. Um, So I can recognize, ah, take a couple of nice deep breaths, drop my shoulders, maybe relax my jaw, whatever is feeling tight. And that can um, interrupt fight or flight again throughout the day. So, right. So there are in in breathe and power achieve, there are 50 mindful breaks. And so um, people always ask, you know, where do you start? And I recommend trying one mindful break, doing it every day for a week. And then that starts to become a habit. And then you can stack on another mindful break the next week. Practice that every day in addition to the first one. And before you know it, you have your day kind of sprinkled with a number of mindful breaks that just happen automatically because it's just something you do. Yeah, that was something I actually really appreciated about your book that um, people can kind of find the ones that work best for them and, and choose the and given that situations are changing and evolving and that we're always changing and evolving, that they can mix them up a little bit um, to find what feels best for them. Right. Sometimes we need those calming mindful breaks. And sometimes we need to, you know, kind of, I don't know, step it up a little bit, whether it's in our, our work life or our personal life and be more assertive, be more confident. And there are mindful breaks that address that. And I think, you know, there's, there's this, 
um, kind of back and forth discussion I'm seeing now about how do we spend our time during uh, during social distancing and kind of quarantine. Um, there's one school of thought that's kind of like, you know, go easy on yourself and just relax. You don't need to do so. You don't have to get things done. Um, and as, as much as I agree to some degree, you know, we don't need mm-hmm. to be maximizing every moment in the midst of this. I think it's really helpful to to have some goals, to be productive, to feel like we still have a purpose because we can get lost otherwise. Um, so I think kind of, and uh, the book really too is a lot about balance. Yeah, I know a lot of the people that I'm talking to daily feel lost and are kind of struggling with that idea. And it does lead me, and you mentioned Tara Moore in your book, actually, um, how, you know, in her book, she discusses a lot how women have a tendency to not speak up at work and settings, kind of like you're talking about the empower and the achieve, and then tend to limit themselves in a way that men don't. And I'm just curious, like, so... I want to address that. But first, I just want to ask, like, how you, it sounds, at least from this book, so correct me if I'm wrong, that you primarily work with women. And I'm just wondering Mm -hmm. what kind of led you down that path and what um, made you choose to kind of, like, focus on women in your practice? Yeah, good question. So, and I always hear from men who are like, wait, what about men? And I'm like, I know, (laughs) I... nothing against you all really. Um, but we just still have barriers, um, that, that we're working against. So, you know, I, I guess I just have always been drawn to women's issues. And since my twenties, um, I worked in a women's health center and I worked, um, on a rape crisis, uh, nonprofit and, um, uh, domestic violence shelter. And I've just been drawn to women's issues. And then, um, having my having my daughter and my son sort of pulled me into more of just dealing with anxiety and stress related disorders in general. My daughter is now eighteen and she's a freshman in college. And the past wow, few years, hard. she's really what's that? I that's hard right now. Oh well, yeah, you know, yeah. She's, college, she's, yeah, yeah, she's doing all right. But yeah, um, so but the past few years, she's been very interested in feminism and um, women's rights. And on her own, she kind of found that and it really reignited that fire within me as well. So that's been a neat thing that we have this interest together. And it really mm, kind of pushed me down that path again. And I think, um, you know, with Breathe, my first book, Breathe, Mama Breathe, just being in the in the thick of it in motherhood. So kind of knowing how I think moms, you know, we do have more on our plates, even though our partners are awesome and they're, they're, you know, helping more than ever. There's still a lot of the, you know, emotional and mental load that we talk about in motherhood. Yes. I, um, I agree with you on a lot of those fronts. Um, and, and I'm wondering if you could just talk about then how you do work with women with the same idea that like Tara Moore has about like empowering and achieving and, um, trying to, and you mentioned it here too, that there's a part of you that given social distancing and isolation, that some people have the philosophy of just sit back and don't stress yourself. And you said, I think it is also important for people to have that sense of purpose. And if you could just talk a little bit about how you work with women with the empower and the achieve section of the book. Sure. So 
the uh, empower section is recognizing first, a lot of this is also awareness and awareness of where we fall on different continuums. So whether it's extroversion and introversion or confidence and feeling a lack of confidence or feeling, you know, am I assertive or not assertive? First of all, knowing where we fall naturally on those continuums. And that can, of course, look a little bit different depending on the scenario or the, the context but in general, we know, know where we are, so then we know where we want to push ourselves. And so also, are like, am I somebody who's risk averse or am I a risk seeker? Um, and so when I know where I'm starting from, I know where I want to head more toward the middle to if I'm on one end or the other mm-hmm. to find a little more balance. And then we can um, use different exercises to help ourselves and nudge ourselves in that direction. And it's a practice. So if it's something about uh, assertiveness, for example, there's a, there's a mindful break in the book about that. I really like, it's called unmuting ourselves. And this came, yeah. It came from an idea of a woman I worked with who uh, works in a large organization. And a lot of her day was spent on conference calls, video chats, even before, even before what we're dealing with now. And um, she was she was frustrated. She'd been there a number of years. She was talking with a female mentor and was just saying, I, "I'm not getting the projects I want to work on. I'm not being promoted. I, I don't. I put my head down and I work really hard. I don't understand." And her mentor said to her, "You know what? You are so smart and you have so much to contribute. I know this when we talk, but you don't speak up during meetings." So she said, "Okay, I'm really nervous. I'm so nervous to do this, but every time I'm on a conference call." I'm going to promise myself I'm going to unmute myself and contribute, ask a question, something. And she started to do this. And she said she was, her mouth would get dry, her heart would race, but she would unmute herself and contribute. And over time, she started to get those projects. She was seen more and she was promoted. And so this is just an example of how we can Put, you know, it's that gentle nudge. It's knowing where we are, where we want to grow to, and how do I get there, and making it manageable so we don't overwhelm ourselves. Um, and sometimes it's about knowing those doubting voices, you know, knowing about that imposter or that inner critic, whatever you want to call her, that shows up mm-hmm. and can keep us really stuck. Because when we start talking to other women and reading about this, we recognize that we are all, we all hear the same kind of chatter uh, to some degree, especially when we're pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone, when we're doing something to grow or to challenge ourselves. It's like, are you sure you're ready? I don't know if you're ready for this. You're not smart enough. Who are you to do this? All of those doubts show up. And the more we can recognize them as just, oh, that's just, those are just normal doubts. Everybody has those. I don't need to listen to them we can keep going forward. And what happens if we don't know to expect them or we don't know that that ha- if we think it's only happening to us, then we believe them, we buy into them. So that's a whole nother mindful break too, is just to be aware of those limiting beliefs, recognizing them and then not caving to them and listening to them. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it... <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. 
That's shopify.com slash system. I think it is like um, you have the mindful break called your inner bully, which just does remind me of that critical voice that all of us have. And some people are better at kind of, um, I've heard a description, which I really liked of there's a bus driver and the bullies can all be sitting in the back and the bus driver can either choose to really focus on those bullies and then maybe get in an accident or the bus driver can kind of like ignore them to a certain amount and and just like be safe and be able to focus on the road. Um, And there's something that's kind of funny if you imagine all of your critical voices sitting in the back of your bus and you you get to choose how much you want to listen to them. Um, But your inner bully, that idea of, um, you know, and I've heard it said that, all of the negative thoughts that we have stick to us like Teflon and the positive things that mm. we have tend to slide off us like Velcro and just um, opposites. They, they stick like Velcro and slide off like Teflon. Right. The positive ones I slide think, off like Teflon and the, and the negative ones stick like Velcro. Yes. I'm sorry. You're right. Yes, exactly. Yep. Yeah. So we That's hold right. on to the negative ones and we let go of anything, yep. the positive thoughts yep. like just kind of come off of us. Um, exactly. And you had mentioned that as well. And so, you know, I think it is interesting, um, kind of like you said, that woman who wasn't speaking up and therefore wasn't moving ahead in her own career. Mm-hmm. Right. So those, so those are some empower breaks and then achieve breaks. Uh, one that I think is really important is about uh, what I call our inner compass, and that's identifying our deepest held values. And that is for our personal life and our work life. And often they're the same. Um, So we can identify maybe our top four values. And how that can be really helpful is it helps us when we're faced with decisions, what to take on, what to say yes to, um, what to prioritize. When we filter that decision through our values, then we can make a more informed choice, especially if we have a hard time saying no to things. Because Mm -hmm. we can say, like, for example, my values are slow, love, nature, and growth. And if I am given opportunities to work on a project or collaborate or speak at an event, I, number one, I always try to wait at least 24 hours to respond and let it kind of settle in before I say yes to it. Um, And number two, I filter it through my values. Is it something that's going to... um, It doesn't necessarily need to hit every value, but if it's going to, to help promote love or growth or nature or slow to me means kind of having enough space in my calendar, um, then I might say yes to it. So that can really help guide us. And then there are other mindful breaks about, um, first, it's about dreaming big, letting ourselves sit down and journal and write about, uh, for example, you know, what's our best possible self? What does our life look like um, a year or two years from now if we're living our absolute best life? And letting ourselves just completely dream big and not worry about all the barriers that we have in our mind about why that's not possible. Or um, And, and uh, Marie Forleo wrote a book, Everything is Figure Outable. And she talked about when you're brainstorming this kind of a, a you know, dreaming big situation, you can also brainstorm, wouldn't it be cool if, and then just fill in the blank. Because then it's sort of like, you're not saying I'm going to do this. You're just like, wouldn't it be cool if I, whatever that is. And you get out of your own way first. It takes you out of the box. On, 
Yeah, exactly. And then another time you can kind of sit down and say, all right, what is really doable and how do I get there? And then breaking them all down into the, the tiniest action steps so that we can make them happen. And I'm just wondering, um, because you mentioned the importance of having your deepest health values, and then you mentioned yours. And I'm just wondering, how do you help people identify what those deepest health values are? Just because that is something that then does lead into the um, journaling or the, you know, being able to say no or thinking about through things that what's important to you. Yeah, I think it, it's just about, well, I have a list in the book and you can, you know, online, there are mm-hmm. always lists of values you can come up with, but it's get it's always about first, I always recommend getting quiet. So if you want to meditate, whatever that looks like for you to just get quiet. And um, so we can kind of access a little bit of our inner wisdom a little bit more rather than all that noise in our head or what we think we should be doing. And it's, getting quiet so we can say, all right, what are, you know, what would I pick out of this list? What, what really resonates with me? What absolutely matters most to me? And Mm -hmm. that looks different. You know, I might say family or somebody else might say family, and that can mean different things to different people. This is all about us, you know, each individual person. And, and that can change over time. Um, That might morph and, you know, they're not written in stone. So it's kind of choosing them, sitting with them and kind of working with it. And, then if you need to uh, uh, amend that, that's fine. And also just one of the things that you also do talk about in here that I thought was helpful was just working with our partners and also the compassion, mindfulness break and and kind of thinking about um, some people, like you said, can have awesome partners that are really helping and some people either might be alone or might find it more challenging. And so I was just wondering if you could walk us a little bit through like what that compassion break might look like. Um, so specifically kindness or what, I'm not sure which one you're speaking um, of. You actually had one that was called compassion and it was dealing with the partners. Um, I'm looking, you, you were talking about your partners and like the people in your life and it was essentially going, trying to see if I can find it at the moment, but you, you were addressing the fact that, you know, being able to say like, may I love you? May I love me? Um, Uh Okay. And just, and just kind of being able to address like that sometimes, you know, we can have challenges with our partners and, and um, not always be aligned. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. So maybe, um, yeah, it doesn't necessarily need to uh, address partners necessarily. Anybody, maybe it was difficult people, I'm not sure, or oh, maybe, uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, I think there's a kind of a general we can train our compassion. So, um, a bit, you know, just kind of a simple kindness meditation that we can mm-hmm. get quiet and do is may I be happy. May I be healthy? May I be um, free from harm? Or maybe I be safe? And we offer it to ourselves first. And that's really helpful because we forget about ourselves. <laughs> we need to practice on ourselves. Then we can offer it to a good friend. This is called met- meta meditation, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, mm-hmm. Offer it to a good friend or someone we love who it's easy to offer it to. Then a neutral person, someone we don't know very well. 
um, and then to um, a difficult person. And you always want to start with somebody who's not the most difficult person in your life, but somebody who's just kind of challenging, a little bit challenging. And so when we do that, we can research shows that we can increase that uh, compassion muscle for ourselves and for others. And that just happens naturally. So um, not sure if that's the one you're speaking of or about dealing with difficult people. And I can speak to any of that. And you were saying about partners, which I guess in the midst of all of this, that could well, feel I think like that's what I was thinking people. of too. Just that I, well, yeah, like just um, given that everybody is constantly with each other, just that idea of if, if you have some suggestions of things that people might want to try, um, yeah. being with their children nonstop and and with their families nonstop. If there's a couple of um, mindful moments that you might want to walk us through. Definitely. And this speaks a lot um, right now, actually, towards more of my first book, Breathe Mama Breathe, which is um, for moms. And it is geared for moms of kids of all ages, but primarily for the moms in the trenches with little ones and like kind of how we feel now when you're with your children, you're caring for them, and they need a lot of time and attention. And that may be our partners too. So the first is about putting our own oxygen mask on. This, you know, it's cliche, but it's so true. So we need to figure out how do we get a little bit of time for ourselves in the midst of all this. And I, and in that book, I talk about, um, I call it a snap break, which is when <laughs> there was a time when I uh, came home from a work meeting and I was, it was just like, I was overloaded. I was exhausted and I came in the door and my little guy was like running laps around the house and it was just like chaotic. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I said to my husband, I, I'll be back. I need to go take five minutes. And I went into my bedroom and then into my closet, which is not even a walk-in closet, but it's big <laughs> enough where I could sit on the floor. And I closed that door and I closed the bedroom door and I sat. And uh, a snap break is about stopping, first of all, because when we're feeling like we're going to snap, we feel like we don't, we can't stop, you know, and we, and we first have to have that wherewithal of I need to go take a break. Um, so that's first, we need to stop. Then it's the N is for notice. So I'm noticing that my body is tight, like I mentioned before. So drop my shoulders, I'm noticing I'm taking shallow breaths. Um, and I can take a, a deep breath in and a deep breath out. A is uh, accept what's here right now. And, and then P is for proceed. So um, just by interrupting, so, so had I not done that, I probably would have barked at somebody or yelled at somebody or just it wouldn't have been very nice <laughs> for any of us. But if I know that I need to go and kind of take a quick break, and everybody knows that and knows they're, they're much better off if I do that, then, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't need to take very long. It really doesn't. A minute or two and you can come out and you're kind of like, okay, I've regrouped. You know, I've stepped off that hamster wheel. I'm a little bit out of fight or flight and now I'm here and I can be present for you. So, you know, so ideally we don't get to that point. Ideally, we are a little more proactive about it, um, which that looks like meditating regularly every day or taking these mindful breaks throughout the day so that we don't always need to go take a snap break um, in the closet. <laughs> but, but if we do, that's fine. And I think then we model for our kids that it's okay to say, I'm going to lose it if I don't go do this. 
And it shows them that I can control, I can, you know, manage my emotions and my overwhelm. Well, just, um, it's such a mind body connection, right? Like you're saying, like, in the snap, oh, yeah. and I feel like, um, sometimes when we get to that space that you're talking about, if you don't have that mind body connection, the primitive brain is really going to take over. So like we talked about the amygdala and all that, which then does cause yep. you to snap, um, or, or act in a way that you don't want. And so I think, I think part of even doing these mindful breaks is like starting to create that space where you have that mind body connection and gives you that space. Like you said, like even taking one or two minutes and doing some of these, um, that you've created allows people to start thinking like, what is my body feeling? What is my emotions? What am I thinking? Or you described the triangle earlier, you know, mm-hmm. the thoughts and the feelings and, and kind of being able to like apply those. Um, because I think that is something that is hard for people to develop initially. Or can right. be. And, and I always, yeah. And I, and I say in the beginning, if, if, what you can start with is to stop a couple of times a day and take two full deep breaths in through your nose and out through your mouth. That's awesome because you're not doing that now. We do not walk around doing that naturally and that will change things that will shift things. So that Mm -hmm. is really powerful and it's very simple. It's just a matter of getting in the habit of doing it. And can you talk a little bit, if you feel comfortable, like how you're taking time for yourself right now and sheltering (laughs) at home and what you were able to do for yourself at this point? Sure. So most days I still meditate. I still get up in the morning and sometimes it's with my coffee and sometimes it's not. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm fortunate, and I say this to everybody who's asking me how I'm doing, is I live in Pennsylvania uh, in the U.S. where I can, and I live sort of in farmland, so I can get outside mm-hmm. on my bike or a walk. Um, that is so powerful for me, and that's always been a huge self-care uh, piece for me. So to be able to continue to do that in the midst of all this is really um, life-saving for me. But I say to people too, especially, you know, I'm still working with clients online, even if you can open a window and just there's, there's power in looking out and being outside if we can, but looking out and seeing a bigger world out there that we're all going to be okay. The world's still turning and um, we're going to get through this. So that's something very grounding for me. Um, I'm kind of a bit of, I like some routine. So some of the structure has fallen away, but I still do have some routines that, that I like Um, just as simple as, getting up in the morning and kind of snuggling with my eight-year-old who still will do that with me (laughs) and, um, you know, uh, having dinner together and, um, we going for family walks more, that sort of thing. So that's a big piece of what keeps me going. Thanks. And I know you had said you were meditating. I know a lot of times I always do ask people, um, if you would mind sharing what your meditation practice looks like at this point in your life. Sure. So it's about 10 minutes in the morning. Um, I haven't got back, gotten back up to that half an hour every day since (laughs) my son's born. And I think maybe one day I will. Um, But uh, yeah, I, I always try my best to get it done first thing in the morning, just because I just like the way it sets the tone for my day and I know I won't forget. And otherwise I try to get it for yourself. What's that? 
You're starting with the oxygen mask for yourself, like starting your day for yourself. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Um, And then I usually, so I just, I just do a seated meditation and, um, and with some gratitude and I always try to come up with something new or, or novel or different every day. So, you know, I, they're always the, the same for my family, friends, health, and those sorts of things. But then also try to come up with something else I'm grateful for just to kind of keep it um, where I'm always thinking of mm-hmm. what else I am grateful for. And then at, that also sets the tone for the day going into it that I'm on the lookout for what I am grateful for. There's a lot of research that shows the gratefulness also um, plays a huge change in our positive attitude and the way we look at the world. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Thank and you. that's a choice and a practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And I'm curious, just like what you have going on, like what your future looks like and if you have future projects or there's things your next steps look like in your life. Yes. So yeah, right now it's about, uh, I mentioned the beehive that, uh, monthly online membership for women where that's based off of Breathe Empower Achieve. And mm-hmm. it's all about women coming together. And I share videos and coaching prompts and guest interviews, all about five minutes a day, how we can level up, how we can play bigger in our lives, and also stay balanced at the same time and how we can support each other in that. Um, so I'm really excited about that because that launches in about a month. And I'm hard at work on content and um, getting the word out. And Tanda, if people were interested, how would they find that information if they were interested in signing up or learning more about it? So my website is shondamorales.net and there's a Beehive tab on that uh, website. And um, yeah, and enrollment Great. closes on April 25th, I believe. So I'm not sure if this will air before then, but. Maybe. Hopefully. <laughs> yes. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, so will there be ongoing opportunities for people or once it's a closed group, it's a closed group or will you be kind of uh, opening it up at different points? Right. I plan to open it up again in the fall. I want to close it okay. for, you know, maybe open it up twice a year to kind of get so we can gel and really get to know each other and support each other. That's really exciting. Thank you. So, yeah, that, that sounds like a great opportunity for people who want to learn more about this as well as like we talked about being able to think about those goals and that future um, self and where people want to be. Right, exactly. And I thought it might be nice if you're if you're okay with just ending and, and maybe you should pick what the mindful moment would be for us to end with like something that would be useful for everybody at this point. Right. So I know we, I, because I mentioned the, um, the kindness mindful break before, which is about sending loving thoughts or kind, kind thoughts to ourselves and others. Uh, another really helpful, very quick mindful break is the four, seven, eight breaths. And some people may mm-hmm. be familiar with this, but it's really a helpful thing to calm us down in the moment. Uh, and also for insomnia, if you're having trouble slowing down your mind um, at that time. So it's very simply inhaling through our nose to the count of four. Then we hold our breath to the count of seven. And then we slowly breathe out through our mouths to the count of eight. So I'll talk you through that and we can do it together. 
Yeah, that would we be great. Inhale through the, okay. So we inhale through the nose for four, two, three, four. Hold the breath for seven, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Breathe out slowly through the mouth for eight, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. In through the nose for four. Hold for seven. And slowly out through the mouth for eight. And that also calms down fight or flight. So you can do that a number of cycles. It gives us our, our mind a place to focus. Mm -hmm. And that ratio is also very calming, that mind-body connection. Yeah, the mind-body connection. And there is something about the breathing when you're counting that that is where your mind is. Um, yes, exactly. And just with that, um, I don't know if you want to address it, if someone was doing that exercise and their mind went somewhere else. Right. So we didn't talk about meditation, but, you know, maybe that's to kind of, and then I'll come back to answering that question. But meditation, when we talk about that, really what that is, is choosing a point of focus. And oftentimes mm -hmm. when we're learning to meditate, it's, we use the breath because it's always with us. It's easy to access. Um, and often we'll say, start with the belly. So you notice naturally when we um, inhale, the belly rises up and it falls. And so we don't need to intentionally make change the breath or make it any deeper or different when we're meditating. But it's I notice the inhale, I notice the exhale, I notice the inhale, my mind will wander, <laughs> it will think, what am I having for breakfast, or what's going on in the world or whatever, wherever our attention goes. And then each time we notice that our attention has drifted off, we just gently bring it back to that home base of the breath in the belly. And we begin again, sensing, noticing the inhale, the exhale, and our mind will drift off hundreds of times in five or 10 minutes. That's perfectly normal. So I think it's really important to uh, dispel the most common myth, which is, you know, I'm going you to calm or stop my thoughts. <laughs> right. yeah, I'm going to clear my mind. No thoughts. It's just yeah. blank. Like, that would luck. be nice sometimes, Never. but I don't think happen. it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, you know, over time, you might find the tiniest bit of space between thoughts. But even when we sit there and we think, ah, I'm not even thinking anything. Well, that's a thought. So our right. minds, you know, it's what our minds are designed to do. So I just like to dispel that myth because it's a really tricky one. Um, so when it comes to the four, seven, eight breath, yeah, absolutely. Your mind will drift off. And that's the, the case with these mindful breaks as well, because I can take a mindful break with my coffee or in the shower, wherever that is. Our minds will definitely drift off. Our attention will drift, and it's not to be upset with ourselves when it does. We say, "Oh, there I was, no problem. Just come back." And each time we do, we are strengthening that mindfulness muscle of attention and exercising that that brain and and strengthening um, the brain, like we had mentioned. Well, thank you, Shonda. I really like. I think the Breathe Empower Achieve book is really useful for. Um, people like you said, who want to do the mindful moments. And like, I, I really appreciated the fact that there's something for everybody um, in there to kind of pick and choose what, where they're at in their life in that moment. So I really appreciate your time and um, really enjoyed speaking with you. That was great to be on and talk with you, Christy. Thanks so much. Thanks Shonda.